I feel like I'm Michael Scott now, and you're like, what's a funny? <laughs> hey, what about whenever you call me? You already know that I go to bed early, and so I enjoy my late evening time to just wind down. Mm-hmm. And so when you call me, I essentially assume that it's an emergency. It's now 9.30 at night. I'm really getting ready to just call it a day. You call me, and you're like, first off, I can't even understand half of the sentence that you're saying. You're like, man, you Oh, man, hold on now. Because you have butt-dialed me before, mm-hmm. and I assume that 9.30 at night, there's something wrong, or you butt-dialed me. And so mm-hmm. I couldn't tell which the case was when you called me. Mm-hmm. All I could mm-hmm. tell was you're calling me from your Timu headphones, Toes trying up. to watch a Timu TV. Toes up. And, dude, like, I know what, I mean, should we ask, I know what to ask Santa Claus I'm going to write him a letter today. And Dude, I'm going to ask I him had... to bring you some real technology <laughs> so that I don't have to do it. And selfish, it's like the Homer bowling ball. Selfishly, I don't have to deal with your crappy phone calls because you got like stuff that actually works. Well, let me say this Samsung. I had like AirPods, like Apple, and I accidentally washed them uh, in a load of laundry. Because you're a five year old guy. The guy who does laundry, so... Uh, yeah, well, I, I wash my own stuff, attention. too, sometimes, okay? No, you told me the other day that your mom still comes over and does laundry. Shut up. <laughs> How awesome would that be? That would be amazing. You're like, Mom, I need you to come over to iron a shirt. I got a big meeting tomorrow. <laughs> well, so no. I'm real busy. Mom, <laughs> this is important. Yeah, I had AirPods, but then I washed them and dried them. Mm-hmm. And they still surprisingly worked. But, like, the battery was just shot. And they always kind of, like, hurt my ears. I haven't tried, I haven't tried like, the new ones because mine like were, like... Sh- the- they would shock me. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> no. They just they just hurt my ears. They're just not comfortable. So I looked online, and oddly enough, these, like, Tozo... I don't want to talk about it, dude. They had, like, really I'm, good reviews. Yeah, oh, I bet. They're all paid reviews because those things <laughs> suck. Important fact here, and important fact that I don't want overlooked... When he calls me, this mm-hmm. is what I hear. So I'm like, hello? Hold on. Hey, let me go get a bowl. I'll be right back. Oh. Hey, friends, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, pal. Hey, man. I mean, I think we should kind of get right into it. So the reason we're covering this topic that we're getting into today was a a very natural progression if you look at the show. Mm-hmm. Woody and I, this whole show is literally just two best friends talking for our new listeners. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's it. And we'll sometimes loosely have a topic, and if it goes off the rails, so be it. But today, our show uh, was sort of birthed out of, we mentioned the Glimmer Man on one episode, and then from there, it was like, oh, let's just have a full Glimmer Man episode. Mm-hmm. That was the last episode. And then naturally it was like, well, you know, we like to cover like pop culture kind of stuff mixed with like the paranormal stuff uh, because that's the stuff we're into. And so 
the natural progression for me was the Predator. We are rescue team, not assassins. Now, what do we got to do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trailer at the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, kid. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hapa. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He will skin the lion! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, like, we were talking, and it's like, man, all of this stuff has, it's been, a, well, I say it's been a while since I've watched it, probably within yeah. the last six months. Mm -hmm. But it's been long enough to where, Man, I was really in the mood to rewatch this movie. And honestly, man, I couldn't believe that we, I mean, I know that we kind of briefly, in a way, brought it up when we talked about the movie Prey over on our mm -hmm. Patreon that, you know, I think we released like a, a preview episode of of that. And, and so we had talked about it, but we never really just dove into this movie on its yeah. own and talked about you know, its significance to us as kids that grew up in the 80s mm. and then just some amazing stuff about the movie in general. So, dude, like, I can't tell you how excited I was to just kind of grab a bucket of popcorn, yep, same. pop this movie into the VCR mm -hmm. and press play. Now, I will say, before we dive in, this was a movie that here recently I was like, you know what? Man, I think it's time for my oldest to watch this movie with me. I was about his age, per, I mean, honestly, two years younger, mm -hmm. right? But in 80s time, like we're yeah. talking about, like there's a difference in the dollar, what something was worth in the 80s to now, what oh, yeah. the dollar was worth. The age, I think, is like I was 20 by the time I was seven in the 80s. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Right. As far as like yeah. what I had watched. Yeah. But I guess that fatherhood like sort of gut Mm -hmm. uh, told me, well, why don't you just watch it again first just to make sure? Because, of course, there's a couple scenes that are iconic that I remember that didn't necessarily scar me as a kid, but mm -hmm. sort of was like, oof, that's intense. That, yeah. And then some that I had completely forgotten about. 
right away in the beginning. We'll get to that too. So in other words, I'm, I'm going to tell you on the front end of this episode, I decided real quick that I'm not going to let, uh, let my son watch this just yet. I think the, the large amount of jokes. Well, that'll do it too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I'm talking like within the first, like five minutes at least. Yeah. Yeah. So I got that written down in the the watch notes for sure. So (laughs) folks, if it's been a long time, we're not only going to remind you of the greatness of this movie, what our thoughts are about it and everything, but we're going to kind of take you through a little bit, talk about some hilarious scenes, some scenes that stand out as like, couldn't be more eighties. Oh yeah. Some trivia that I actually never knew until we started digging in and then some, you know, how it all relates to everything and, uh, and the ins and outs of the franchise and that kind of thing. Sound the innies and outies. The innies and outies. Mm-hmm. First, can I just say that the second that I press play, there's actually a scene that, man, I got to be honest, I'm not even sure, and this, this is terrible to say, I'm not even sure if I had noticed it before. And that is at the very beginning, you know, as uh, the movie's starting, you see this spaceship kind of fly by, earth and then mm-hmm. a, a sort of pod or whatever shoots out from it and, and it goes into earth's atmosphere yeah and then and then it starts with the next scene and i don't remember that at all dude do you i don't I, no, not at all it, it's funny because so you had seen the movie like you know not too far away but like right. i mean it's probably been i mean i would say like 12 15 mm-hmm. years since i had seen it mm-hmm. so to me i was like really excited because it had been a long time but like what what Woody said this is like one of those movies that like as a kid of the 80s like it like I was telling my wife last night she's like I'm not watching that of course right that's just how she is and I was like I don't think you understand like how important this was to every young boy in the 80s like I've seen this movie a thousand times I know and but then but then I realized oh I've seen this movie a thousand times Way before I ever even met you, like yeah, my wife. Right. And so it was like awesome just jumping right back in. But yeah, same with you. I didn't, and I had that in my notes too. I don't remember the spaceship, but what was cool was, uh, you know, we did that Prey episode, like you were saying, and there is a scene in that. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. That was That's a cool like callback because I didn't, you know, I had totally oh, forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that actually. Whenever I was watching it, as that being the same, yeah, the same ship. And it's interesting though because as you go on to watch the movie, I don't know. I, I think because I forgot that scene, mm-hmm. I remember kind of thinking like, "What is it? What? What are they? You know, like it being more mysterious." That scene kind of sets it up to be like, "Oh, it's something otherworldly." But anyway, yeah. Right after that scene. I thought it was amazing that it just cuts to like this helicopters flying mm-hmm. and you see these guys, get, like the helicopter lands, you see these guys getting off of the, <laughs> I got to do it, chopper. And, you know, one by one, it's like this one guy's in, uh, well, first I think it's Jesse Ventura mm-hmm. pops out of there and he's got like a black MTV t-shirt on. Yeah. You know, tucked into jeans and then you've got this guy that is in, I think he's in camo with some like cool like glasses. And then a dude that's in a full suit, yeah, business suit style coming mm-hmm. off. And then like, so everybody unloads. Mm-hmm. And then this is the most, this scene right here is the most, like one of the most iconic Arnold Schwarzenegger moments. Okay. 
it comes in, he's sitting like, he's just leaning back, sitting in this Huey, this helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can kind of just see his profile and he's just leaning back, lighting a cigar. Yeah. With like a baseball cap on, the tightest red polo shirt of all time. <laughs> And he's just kind of like lighting the cigar and he just like moseys out of this bad boy. Yeah. Just looking so freaking bad at the bone, man. Yeah, dude. Like if you want to like sum up. So like when we were a kid, it was like, and it's, it's kind of sad because it is so different now. I mean, I know people like talk about like, oh, well, we still have movies like that. Like the Mm -hmm. Expendables and Mm -hmm. da, da, da. But like. It's just not the same, dude. Dude, for any of you, you guys that are, that didn't quite grow up in our generation. I mean, Woody's like, you're just you're two generations out. back. Just but, cut it out. <laughs> but for for any of you who are a little younger, maybe the like the action movie, you know, was mm-hmm. like such a pivotal and like big part of like the eighties. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like I remember my dad. It, I and I think that's how we got around like being able to watch these. Yeah. Like you know, not, I mean, movies that we probably shouldn't have seen that Sure, young. certainly not appropriate. Yeah, but it was like your dad was going to watch, like, whatever the newest, like, bad action movie was. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's what, like, what we grew up on. So these big, huge, like, muscle-bound dudes. And this movie is just, like, it's the perfect, like, sort of culmination of, of that because, like, the whole cast, for the most part, are, like, those dudes. Yeah, you know? man. I mean... It's like, it would be, it's taking it, when you start watching this movie, mm-hmm. it's taking a time machine, in which, by the way, we're not sponsored by HBO or Max or whatever it's called now. I refuse to You can currently, Max. as of, you know, late August 2023, mm-hmm. you can stream both Predator 1 and Predator 2 on. Predator. Predator. Predator 2 on there. Beijing Mr. Herbert. But, you know, and, and to be honest, I started streaming it and then I put it in. VHS because I wanted to make sure that intro scene wasn't like a new edition yeah, or something. I thought the same thing, yeah. But but it's not. And anyway, hmm. th- it's taking a time machine back into the 80s. This is quintessential over the top yeah. everything. Oh I yeah. Mean, everything. And but and yes, it's corny and yes, it's like silly, but somehow like I don't think they no, not I don't think. They absolutely couldn't pull this off nowadays. I mean, no. I, I can't even make it really through the the expendable stuff. I mean, it's cool and it's over the top action and stuff, and it is neat that so many of these stars kind of get together. Mm-hmm. But in fact, I'll we'll talk about this later too. I think it's easy to conclude that perhaps that idea, the concept of expendables, is oh, probably taken yep. from this movie because I mean they even say it at one point. Better believe it. Yeah. It's just impossible to make a movie like this now. Yeah, and it have that same feel. I think it would either mm-hmm. feel too comedic, or it would feel too over the top gory, or yeah. it would feel cheesy. I mean, not that again, this isn't cheesy. It's just it's so good, and it is a movie that I think if you grew up in the eighties and nineties, either saw it and it just like there's moments that scarred you for life. Like for my <laughs> wife, like she will absolutely not watch it again because she saw it when she was a kid, and then she was you know scarred predator, for life. Predator, she won't. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. She won't watch it anymore. Mm. Which, which, real quick, by the way, did you notice the scene that kind of looks like, you know, what the movie that you're trying to scour the the world to find? Yeah, that's the scene I'm talking about. I didn't remember. I'll get to that. Yeah, I did yeah. completely. Even as many times as I've watched it now, 
full disclosure, the last time that I watched this movie, maybe like six months, a year ago, maybe more, mm -hmm. it was while I was like working and doing something. So I wasn't really like looking up, I guess, mm -hmm. but I had completely forgot about that movie. But yes. Okay. I mean, that, oh, that oh, this, yeah. During your, your, uh, like recovery from like the, the bicep. Okay. Shut up, man. Okay. Some of the lines, dude, I just had to like write down. So Arnold gets off of this chopper and we're not going to go scene by scene here. Cause that would take too yeah. long. Yeah. But just some of the things that I just thought were hilarious, you know, again, he's got this super tight polo shirt on. He's just ripped to shreds. Yeah. And one of the first things that you hear him say, well, first this guy walks up and he's, you know, uh, I guess a general. And he says, you're looking good, Dutch. Yeah. And Arnold replies with, been a long time, general. And uh, what's interesting is the general is actually played by this guy named R.G. Armstrong. And if Tyler, when you were watching it and listener, whenever you go back and watch it, because I know we're going to fire you up about this movie, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll, there's something about this general that you're like, man, this guy looks familiar. And if you're a big fan of late 80s, early 90s movies like we are, you'll recognize him to be prune face from the Dick Tracy movie. Yep, exactly. Which, by the way, he, he does have that like. He just automatically looks like prune face. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it didn't do that, a lot. It's that thing where like. As an adult, I've I've thought this like quite a bit where you look at these actors and you're like, man, that that guy or that girl just they came out of the womb just looking weird. <laughs> old. Old, weird. But then at the same time you're like unique, man, unique. Yeah, that's what I'm about to yeah. say. It's like at the same time, it's like it's so unique that like they've literally created a career of being like those weird character actors mm -hmm. because of that. And I think that's pretty cool. It's very cool. Next comes one of my all-time favorite scenes in any movie mm -hmm. of any genre ever. You, The camera kind of comes in and you see this like the general's leading Arnold Schwarzenegger's character called Dutch mm -hmm. into this sort of um, almost like a tropics office building, right? You can tell it's just hot in there. There's a ceiling oh, yeah. fan and far back in the back room, um, there's someone working at a desk. And Arnold's, like, talking to the general, and he kind of, like, slow looks over there. And, dude, that moment in time, you got to go back after this and watch this moment. It's so, like, awkwardly long until he says, huh? And he says, Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and he, Carl Weathers is there, yeah. also looking sweaty. Both of their skin just oiled up dude they're using body butter like it's nobody's business yeah and just imagine the tubs of that stuff that had to get like transported <laughs> to south america when they filmed oh this. dude especially especially like the the other black dude oh yeah dude i mean uh, he at all times is like glistening i mean it looks like he has like vaseline yeah on Bill his Duke. yeah yeah that's his name which is um, awesome he way. is amazing dude he's I another wanna, one of those weird kind of yeah, he's got a very unique face, dude, Looking that you can, you will remember him immediately from so many movies. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll exactly. I want to talk about him later because he's actually really cool. So he says, Dylan, you son of a bitch. And then they proceed. So then they lock hands in an arm wrestling pose in midair. They're there both standing. And yeah. they're just like, and there's just like maybe three to five seconds of just this, their biceps flexing yep. in midair. Yep. And then, it, and then it's them just, uh, well, essentially arm wrestling in midair. <laughs> Which, again, might be the most 80s thing that I've ever seen, and it's fantastic. Yes, it is. In it, fact, it's, like, it, I want to do that all the time with everyone now. Just like 
every greeting that you have, it just immediately just coalesces into an arm wrestling. C- correct. Match. And then unfortunately for everyone else, your name to me now and forever will be Dylan. So whenever I see you, I'm just going to say, Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and then I'm going to arm wrestle you right then and there, wherever we are, oh. wedding, funeral, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is. After these messages, we'll be right back. On June 14th, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your team, Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only beers June 14th. Get tickets now. There's something out there waiting for us. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. It's just so, it's just so, God, it's just, again, man, it just can't be more 80s than that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 so my wife watched like the last, I don't know, maybe like 30 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, she was just like, like on her phone, just like <laughs> asking questions. Like, well, I mean, how many are there? Like, what are they? And it's like, uh, it's it, like, it's hard to explain like an entire like franchise. So I literally caught myself saying, man, this is 80s gold, probably 10 times. Just because it's like, there's so many little things that have like, you know, but kind of like the the arm wrestling thing, like that have sort of become like memes you know, like yeah. the get to the chopper, like that's, yeah, sure. you know, which I had forgotten, but he actually says that twice. Yeah, no, I thought of it just like one time. Me too, me too. But yeah, it is 80s gold. Uh, one thing one thing I, I have to say too that, you know, and obviously as a kid seeing this, I never would have like appreciated this, but there's something, there is something about like the, the film and the like sort of exposure and like the color temperature. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very like sort of cool Color mm-hmm. temperature. Mm-hmm. So those shots that show, you know, you're in the jungle. So obviously it's always going to be, th- there's not a lot of like, you know, direct sunlight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but it, so it always has this sort of cool kind of color temperature. And like that first scene, you know, when they flip off the lights in the chopper and they're getting mm-hmm. ready to like drop into the jungle, when it shows those, those two black helicopters, you know, just as the sun's going down, it's just like the greatest, coolest I don't know. There's something like so like epic and it just feels like something about like the, the, the particular like color temperature and like the time of day that they filmed. It just it immediately felt so nostalgic for me. Oh, man. You I'm so I mean? glad you brought that up because I was going to say, is there anything out there more iconic to you growing up in the 80s than number one, any kind of montage, but certainly like oh, a yeah. Huey? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
and if you don't know what a Huey is, look it up. But it's like the, I just call them like the Vietnam era helicopters mm-hmm. flying in the air. And then the soundtrack being some sort of, honestly, it could be anything, but typically some sort of like Rolling Stones. classic rock. I mean, obviously Rolling Stones, they use paint it black a lot mm-hmm. or, or CCR. Fortunate Son is a popular one that they'll use. But dude, in this one, it was it was Long Tall Sally. Yep. yep. Little Richard's version of it. Mm-hmm. And Dude, it's so freaking bad to the bone. You're watching all these guys, like, it's this montage of them just kind of, like, getting prepped in this helicopter, riding to where they think, and we haven't mentioned this, but, you know, they're under the guy, or Arnold and his team are under the, they're like commandos that are, you know, coming to rescue some diplomats or something that have, you know, accidentally gone across the border. They they think that they've been taken by this uh, guerrilla army, these Mm -hmm. rebels. And so, but this montage, they're all like getting ready, you know, Jesse Ventura, this is where that pussy joke is, you know, this kid's like talking to the, uh, Billy, the Native American guy, and he's like, hey man, my, uh, yeah, so my girlfriend, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make him laugh. Jesse Ventura is like, he asked this guy, I mean, again, this is this line, and I'm going to bleep out some of this stuff, but hopefully it'll illustrate just how 80, this is the 80s. Go, mm-hmm. This is the time machine into the 80s. Jesse Ventura's character is looking at this, he's probably the only like really like sort of skinnier dude on this team besides Billy, the Native American guy. And he like well, offers she- him some chewing tobacco. Yeah. And the yeah. guy's like, uh, and he's like, oh God, what does he say? Hold on, I wrote it down. He says, um, while you're doing that, you know that Shane Black, the director, is the little guy with the glasses. Oh, no, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Mm-mm, that's yeah, cool. It's pretty cool. He basically, I wrote down in my notes like, well, okay, so long, long tail Sally, and then Dutch asks Carl Weathers, who's Dylan. He says, "Who's our backup?" And Dylan says, "No such thing, old buddy. This is a one-way ticket." And Arnold Schwarzenegger just like kind of grins and says, "This is getting better by the minute." <laughs> and um, and then it <laughs> then it pans over to the joke. Then you got Jesse Ventura's what I called in my notes the Chew commercial, where he says. Yeah. That, it, he's like, are you sure? It makes you a sexual tyrannosaur, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not sure what that means, but hilarious. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you've got Bill Duke, who is the kind of other, you know, token 80s black dude in the team. And he's yeah. dry shaving his face with a razor. Yeah, I didn't just like look, just staring at the other guy, just like. And so, it's just like, uh, it, one thing before you continue that that I love, but I'm also kind of perplexed about is. I love the fact that, like, this movie is very much, like, approached almost as, like, a comic book Mm -hmm. or, like, a video game. So you have these, like, characters who are all, like, very different and kind of, like, quirky. You know, they have, like, their thing. And I really really love that because it feels like, you know, it feels like the X-Men or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, they kind of have their own thing. But... but I'm really perplexed by the shaving thing. I didn't. I didn't understand that. Well, dude, that's he's just tr- he's just trying to illustrate just how bad. See, he doesn't eat shaving cream. Yeah, that's true. He yeah, but he's got enough soap. vaseline he doesn't eat on anything. his face. Well, he's just so sweaty, man. <laughs> so sweaty. But you know, and it's and I mean, dude, they really are. I think they filmed it in Guatemala. Guatemala. Okay, mm-hmm. they were you know in the heat. 
apparently there was a lot of things that kind of slowed up production. One of them being uh, Montezuma's Revenge. A lot of them were sitting on the toilet for a lot, a lot of the, uh, you know, downtime. Yeah. So some of them kind of got some, some stomach sickness and and things like that. Um, Mm. So here's what's cool about Bill Duke. And I didn't know this until we, you know, again, we, we did this, you know, again, his, he is a unique looking dude and you, you would recognize him from so many eighties movies, but some that of course, come to mind it's interesting to note that he and arnold both worked together on commando mm-hmm. he was also in you know of course predator but also action jackson action jackson, action jackson. and bird on a wire and a bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff and he's now gone on to create this production company and has produced and and done all this kind of stuff and and really kind of um works a lot with like young african-american talent as they come up to kind of give them a shot and stuff, which is super cool. And apparently he's just like one of the nicest dudes in the world. And again, it kind of goes back to how hilarious it is that he's like, I mean, I don't, uh, yeah, okay. I I feel like so much of this movie was like sort of ad lib type stuff. It was on a Mm -hmm. pretty short, I mean, pretty small budget. I want to say it was like 15 million or something. They made this movie for 15 freaking million bucks. Yeah. Of course, they grossed a ton more. Yeah. But but also, I mean, what bang for your buck? $15 million, but then they also have, and we'll get into this later, they all, they have a score and soundtrack from Alan Silvestri, mm. who's legendary. Yep. And then they also have the special effects guy, Stan Winston. Dude. Which I want to get in more about that, which mm-hmm. I didn't know. But after watching like the behind the scenes uh, yesterday, there's some really cool stuff with that. But I mean, for $15 million and... You know, I mean, it, it was 1986, but still, like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I love thinking about movies like this and the pitch meeting that must have come. Mm-hmm. You know, like you walk into the thing and they're like, "We've got this idea. It's an invisible, a- or like it's like these guys in the jungle. They're just shooting a bunch of stuff. Who are they fighting? Invisible alien. Who's yeah. in it? Who do you want for it? Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they're like." Let's do it, you know. Well, one of one of the things too is like when I was a kid, my f- all time favorite action movie was Commando, and mm-hmm. it, the interesting thing about this movie is it could actually sort of work chronologically. Okay. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, this it's would be almost like Commando. before, and then Commando would be after, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, like, I mean, or he's yeah. like retired. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's trying true. to get away from it all. Yeah. As a kid, I think I kind of got him kind of confused a little bit, you know. I mean, again, we're talking, we were like six and seven mm-hmm. when these movies came out. So I definitely didn't see this in the theater, but it was definitely a situation where, you know, you're over at somebody's house or I don't, I, you know, somehow I'm sure somebody rented it and we're like, Yo, whoa, you know, I had to be like eight when I first saw this. And another thing that I love Same. about this movie is it doesn't waste a lot of time. No. Besides just like how long they sort of stay on that on that uh, uh, shot of them just air arm wrestling mm-hmm. and just flexing those biceps. Yeah. Besides that, it doesn't really waste any time. Immediately they're on a chopper, chopper, mm-hmm. they're getting ready. And then also, dude, God, the hand signals that you can tell, they're like, yeah, just do some like, I don't know, military hand signals. Well, and, then, and then Arnold does them and it's like, oh, he did. <laughs> what? Yeah. So yeah. one thing that, that I, I was uh, sort of surprised to learn is as cheesy as that looks, they actually did have a like a special forces guy come in and stay with them the whole time to like sort of show them how to do that stuff. So yeah. I thought the same thing. Guaranteed. It was a special, it was a guy who, he, he was like the janitor oh, right. of the army. He was like, yeah, dude, I was in the 
you, you know, I can't tell you about all the stuff that I did, but I was in the special forces. Oh, dude, come show us the hand signals. And that's what we got because those hand signals in no way mean anything. Yeah. It's like the lady that, uh, what was the story? It was a few years ago where a lady like scammed all these people by like getting into these like sort of big government like <laughs> events. Uh oh. But, or what about the guy who was the, uh, God, the, uh, sign language translator at Mandela's funeral? No, yeah, doesn't he, know anything, dude. That's Making another one. it up. I mean, like, it's so sad, but then also equally hilarious. You go back and watch this guy. And then, like, on, I think it was Kimmel or somebody had an actual person come oh. in and translate the things this dude was actually saying. Oh, God. And, dude, it is. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's amazing. You just look angry and move your arms around. I mean, come on. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely looked fake. And also, did you notice the the amount of I mean, and I'm not trash on the movie because I think it's I think it's brilliant and I think sure. it's exactly as it should be. I wouldn't take anything out. But there are like it was it's weird to see because, you know, like I said, nineteen eighty-six, but it's weird to see like what what now is so like commonplace where it's like mm-hmm. there's like little bits of like humor and I th- honestly Shane Black the director is brilliant for this kind of thing, but at the time I mean this was kind of like a slightly like newer thing, and so the pacing is like really weird how, uh, you know they'll be in like the middle of like a huge sort of action sequence mm-hmm. and it'll just be like the fastest like little like quip you know Schwarzenegger's like little like. You know, what, what like one-liners. Yeah, like oh, his little, dude, he throws a freaking the giant knife. machete through somebody's body. The guy gets like kind of like stick impaled, around. and then like yeah, he's like up against this like bamboo <laughs> wall, and he's like stick around. And but like the timing of it is done like so fast that it's mm-hmm. it's so it's sort of like jarring. It's like yeah, he wait, kicks a door mean? open, dude, in the same sequence. Yeah. Uh, well, first, dude, we got to back up a little bit because yeah, yeah, even yeah, before they get to this rebel base, they encounter this scene that I cannot believe I completely forgot about. And this was the, this was the moment. I think it's like 10 minutes into the film. Mm -hmm. This was the moment, maybe 15, where I decided I would, I don't know that I can show this to, to my oldest just yet. So Billy, the native American guy who was actually one of my favorite characters, even as a kid, Yeah, me too. you know, he's like an excellent tracker. Mm -hmm. So first he's, you know, they've been off of the copter now they're in this jungle yeah, it's hot out there, but I don't know how hot. Apparently hot enough for Billy to, rather than use his canteen, he decides to just pull a vine down and chop it and drink from it. Well, while he's doing that, you start, and by the way, dude, I watched it with my uh, headphones on Hmm. because I wanted to hear like, it's always interesting to me to hear, it wasn't a remastered version either, to hear the sound design for these movies. Mm-hmm. And they did something here that was exactly what we talked about last week in the episode. Wow. Where, you know, you hear all these noises and everything. He chops the vine and everything goes quiet. Oh. And you kind of actually, for the first time, hear the like the predator like clicking. The, like clicking thing? Just but very, very faint and in the distance. Hmm. And Billy's kind of like, he notices the silence more than he hears, than he notices the clicking kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so he climbs up this area and he hears like these birds and stuff. And, and as an audience, you know, even this time, I'm like, wait, what does he find here? I don't remember. Well, he pulls back these leaves. And this is the scene that I was talking about, just completely forgetting. I'm not sure how right. or why. But there are these soldiers that have been, that are hanging upside down. Yeah. 
and they're skinned. Yeah, it it and they really. I mean, wow. the camera stays on it for a while. Yeah, dude, and it doesn't look super fake. Anything. No. I mean, it's it's pretty realistic and, and intense. Yeah, agreed. Anyhow, you know, he then kind of like uses his tracking skills to try to piece together what happened here. And and I don't remember the line verbatim. I didn't write it down, but I thought it was cool as a kid, and I and I still think it's cool. Jim Hopper, Mac, cut him down. I knew this man. Green Berets out of Fort Bragg. Now, what the hell were they doing here? I don't know, Dutch. This is inhuman. Nobody told me there was an operation in this area. They shouldn't have been here. Somebody sent them. The gorillas skinned them? Why did they skin them? Ain't no way for no soldier to die. What happened here, Billy? Strange, Major. There was a firefight. They were shooting in all directions. Can't believe that Jim Harper walked in an ambush. I don't believe he did. I can't find a single track. It just doesn't make sense. What about the rest of Harper's men? There's no signs. They never left here. Hell, it's like they just disappeared. They find out basically that the people that were hanging were Green Beret soldiers, and they look at their dog tags, and one of them is a guy that Dutch knows. Dutch is, again, Arnold's character. And Dutch is talking to Billy, the Native American, and Billy is, Billy is talking about how, you know, it, they were shooting in all directions. And Dutch says, I know Hopper, one of the guys that's hanging, skinned, mm-hmm. wouldn't have walked into an ambush. Then Billy says, I don't believe he did. He says, uh, how do you like that Billy voice? That was nice. Very he good. says, uh, I can't find a single track. Just doesn't make sense. I mean, good God. Should I, like, Very. if they do a video game version of this, should yeah. I be Billy? Uh, yeah. So that was super cool to me then. But this is also the moment, folks. This is super exciting for me. This is the first time right after that that you see through the, it cuts to the perception of, the predator. He's above mm-hmm. them. You see the heat signatures of Arnold and uh, Billy talking. You yeah. hear, you see it sort of like analyzing the voices and stuff. And um, it's it's just that that's like the moment that you're like, whoa, what yeah. is this? And and I would imagine like you know I don't particularly like remember how I felt like when I first you know saw the scene or whatever. But yeah, I, I would imagine like as an older, you know, like adult seeing this movie, you know, in the eighties for the first time, like that was probably pretty revolutionary, like the weird, like heat signature, Mm -hmm. like infrared kind of thing. And then you have like the, it's like the weird, like, like, um, like waveforms Mm -hmm. or like sound waves, you know, but they're, they're done like vertically along the left side. Mm -hmm. And they kind of make these weird, like, you know, sort of symbols, which kind of, you know, it's pretty consistent with like when he, you know, spoiler, when he sets off the bomb and it's showing like the, you know, the alien like numbers, I guess, like the countdown. Yeah. It kind of looks like that, which is interesting. And again, before they get to this rebel base, they're kind of like 
walking around. There's already some tension between Arnold and Carl Weathers because basically Dylan, Carl Weathers, has lied to him. And mm-hmm. so Arnold's like, what are, you, what are we walking into here? Why did you lie to us? We can't trust you. Dylan actually works for the CIA, by the way. And so he's just kind of feeling like, uh, you know, some, they're being set up in some way. So there's already some tension here. Well, Carl Weathers, like, they're going down this, like, hill or something. And I wrote this down because it was just, again, this comes back to so 80s, but then also hilarious. <laughs> Carl, Carl Weathers, like, trips and makes a bunch of noise. And Bill Duke, the bad A uh, black guy, mm-hmm. comes up all of a sudden out of nowhere and he says... Um, <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. 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 He's got that. And it's funny because you really need to go look at the the making of behind the scenes. Yeah. Because like just watching his like performances, I mean, really in all of his movies, but he has that like, he sort of has that like sort of sunken eye thing. Mm -hmm. Like he looks like he would just be like a horrible, you know, super rude dude. Mm -hmm. But then you hear him like on the behind the scenes and he's like, (laughs) like you said, he's just like the nicest yeah, dude, ever you know, I love that man. But man, he does pull off that like you really, you really like believe it, you know, for sure. And speaking of one one liners, you know, we talked about when they get into this rebel base that you know, just the ridiculous sort of tactics of how they do that. <laughs> Arnold, like, you know, he's he's observing the base. He tells these guys to meet them. He slides down on his belly or something, yeah. and then like gets to this truck that they've got sort of propped up so that they can use the the engine, I guess, to run their generator. And yeah, he just, right. like, lifts the truck up because, you know, he's strong enough to do that. And <laughs> yeah. another, it's just like another excuse to, like, just flex biceps. Yeah. And then he lifts the truck up, lets it down on the ground, the truck just drives off, and that's the diversion that he needs to go in there and just start kicking it. I love, though, <laughs> when that happens, then it then it shoots over to this, to Jesse Ventura, like looking through the his binoculars, watching this truck just come barreling through the middle, <laughs> and he's like, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah. Oh man! And then the one-liners in this in this whole sequence are just amazing. You got the stick around after he just impales a guy oh, with yeah. his machete, yeah. and then he busts Arnold busts this door down, mm-hmm. and when he does, right before he shoots, because there's plenty of time, he says, "Knock, knock." <laughs> uh, you've got yeah. Jesse Ventura who is talking about these other guerrilla guys that they're kind of up on a hill or something. He's like, these SOBs are dug in like an Alabama tick, which Mm -hmm. I thought that's a great, great line. Yeah, that's a good one. This other guy, I guess it might be the director, I think, or it might be this other dude. um, And he's like, you're bleeding, man, to Jesse Ventura. And Jesse Ventura, of course, says, I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. Oh, so good, man. Man, I mean, come to think of it, they use the word bleed a lot Mm -hmm. in there. And they're like one-liners. Yeah. Which we're not there yet, but maybe my favorite, which is just the cl- most classic sort of one-liner of the movie. Well, now you got me perplexed, man. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Oh, That's yes. The best. Yes. Okay. True. And it's kind of perfect timing because... We'll return after these messages.
It's a pretty good place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Or a vampire. You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. This is about the time in the movie when we get this other famous scene. Because so many of these scenes to me, man, I, I, tell me if I'm, if you're like this as well. I remember them in like huge chunks, right? I remember mm-hmm. the whenever they attack the base. I remember the helicopter sequence. I remember Billy kind of like staring off and being like, you know, uh, kind of starting to figure out that something's not right. I remember this next part where they hear some noise or something, they get spooked and they just all, oh, that's what it is. I think someone gets taken, right? And killed. Yeah. And they all just start like shooting. It, um, I don't think it's Carl Weathers, right? It might be Jesse Ventura's character. Oh, he's got the gallon gun? Yeah, and they just oh, start, yeah. like, shooting into the woods, like, ah, and Which they shoot for, like... is awesome. Dude, there's no way they had enough ammo to shoot for 10 minutes straight, but they made it that way, Yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. W- one thing before we get to that, for some reason, I didn't remember them sort of sneaking in and, like, taking out, like, the guerrilla village Mm-hmm. I didn't, for some reason, I didn't remember any of that. I just remember because there was like a girl. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought they just sort of like, you know, came upon her like somewhere in the, yeah. in the forest. But it is interesting that, how, that you said that because I was thinking the same thing. It really does feel like several different movies into one. So you have mm-hmm. your first sort of montage kind of like set up sequence, you know, with a chopper and then, you know, the getting to know you section. And then... Then you have like another action movie on its own where they're doing like the raiding the village or whatever. And then it's like, then it switches to like the hunter being the hunted where it's this like, um, you know, it, it's very much based on like you seeing from the perspective of, mm-hmm. of the predator. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome because it really does give that like feeling of, it, it's just it like the sort of intensity and the, like sort of anxiousness, if you will, mm-hmm. is is kind of like the suspense and stuff. Yeah, suspense. It just builds and builds and builds, like all the way to the end, which is yeah. really awesome. And it's neat too because you rarely get to see through like that perspective within right, the same exactly. movie. So, for example, like the suspense in movie in the Alien franchise is so different because it's just you're with the the people being hunted by right. the, by the alien mm-hmm. and you never really get to see through its eyes, right? And and then so they're building that suspense from like, oh gosh, what's when's it going to pop out? Yeah. With Predator, it's like you get to see it sneaking up on these guys and it's a, and and it's just a matter of time that it attacks, you yeah. know, and it's just this apex predator man that literally is gonna is is just insanely strong and stuff i love that too man because that that flip when now they're sort of slowly being picked off Mm -hmm. and then again they go into this like rampage where i think somebody died this is this is where like the gore comes in like whenever that whatever that sort of um I don't even know what kind of weapon it is. I didn't do my homework there, but like, like a shockwave gun or something just slices through Jesse Ventura and this other dude's head explodes. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's his like little shoulder-mounted 
cannon uh, like thing or cannon. whatever. Yeah. Which is cool. And I never realized this, but every time he turns his head, it like turns with him. Mm. Oh, yes, cool. yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like, and like the, of course, the iconic triple laser. You know what's weird though? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember this scene and I don't know how this works, but you know, th- when it shows like your, his like crosshairs, which is really cool. Yeah. It, visually, like the, I mean, I guess it's kind of like CGI where it sort of shows it sort of like working, you know, like it shows like all the different lines kind of like connecting, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. But the one thing that I didn't understand is when you first see him, like he sort of ejects his like, his Wolverine like blades. Yeah. And then he's like looking at the blades with his like targeting and they're like glowing red. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's like some kind of like heat vision type thing. I don't know. I, don't I didn't know. understand that part. I don't. I don't know. Hmm. I might have to rewatch it again, which is like, exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to watch the second one. Oh, I'll t- no, you don't. No. Oh, it's so terrible, dude. I oh. tried. Yeah, I got about. I mean, I gave it a real, real good try. I got it like three quarters of the way in. So terrible. Man. I mean, you have to. You have to. And I'm gonna finish it. Yeah. But it's in in comparison to this. Like this, literally, might be. As I was thinking about it, you know, this week, mm-hmm. it is certainly top 10 of all time for me. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. it very well might be the movie. I thought, you know, I used to, you know, there's no way it could dethrone like the Goonies or any of the Star Wars movies, but mm-hmm. in terms of how many times I've watched it, in terms of, I mean, but it's up there, dude. Yeah. You know, it was oh, always yeah. that movie that I could just put in and just watch. It's so cool. It's It just makes you feel... Well, it makes you just feel like a kid again because you can remember how ridiculous and over the top and it's just kind of checking all the boxes, just like badassery. Yeah, yeah right. And you, you just, you know, this is the movie that this is like the grown ups G.I. Joe's kind of in a way. Like right. you got to see all these guns and cool explosions in action as a little mm-hmm. kid. And they're fighting this like evil alien. And and we're not even, I mean, we haven't even talked yet about finally it dwindles down and they notice that, you know, because when they go into this rampage and they're shooting in all directions and there's this famous scene where the uh, sort of minigun uh, that now Bill Duke is is holding because he's pissed that uh, his buddy, Jesse Ventura's character, mm-hmm. uh, who's like the weapons specialist or whatever, yeah. he gets killed. And Bill Duke's just like, wow. And, the, and then finally all the ammo's done. The and noise. It's still going, yeah. still spinning. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's yeah, so I, cool. I put that in my notes. It's such a, like what, what he's talking about is, you know, the Gatling gun like spinning. So it's out of bullets and he's still holding it. So it's like, it's the metal on metal is still sort of like, like whirring yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it, it's this weird like sort of dissonant. I mean, I guess technically it would be like a, like two notes sort of layered on top of each other. So it creates this weird like uncomfortable, which again, like even builds the, the suspense even more, mm-hmm. you know, because he's like, he starts to kind of go off the rails, Bill Duke, yeah. which is awesome to see. Mm-hmm. But you know that like he's just like kind of out of it, you know. He's yeah. sort of in he's shock. He's in like I a blo- like a what do they call it? Like a blood rage or a um, what's it called, man? Like a you're talking about like the D and D thing? No, well in real life Berserker too, it's rage. like a well kind of. I mean, it's just like um, yeah, he's just going. He, I don't know. He's just like bloodlust. Bloodlust. That's it, man. That's he's it. he's out for revenge. This mm-hmm. thing killed his friend. His yeah. you know his companion, his buddy. That you know that's another great thing you mentioned earlier was like this is one of those movies 
for the first time that I can remember really, where this this team that are going after yeah. uh, this thing, unfortunately not all of them survive, but they're all awesome. It's like a gang. It's like us versus them. And mm-hmm. I, we, you and I have always loved that thing. That's why we like the Rolling Stones. It's what we, yep. um, you know, try to create even within our, in our band and stuff, wherever we went. And so I love that aspect of it, but to yeah. see him kind of getting into the dark depths of his own soul and just kind of being fearful, but also just so angry. Yeah. Adds this really cool element to it. And I feel like this director also used even that whirring gun, Mm-hmm. as another character or an element that he could sort of use to portray that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think this is kind of coming up to the scene also where, you know, it's that classic scene where you see Bill Duke, his character, like, shaving, and he's just kind of so out of it and so mm-hmm. sort of, yeah. you know, like, you know, this kind of like a psychotic break, really. Mm-hmm. And, like... He's pressing so hard that he like he's digging the razor into his skin and, until it breaks. Yep, and he doesn't even realize it, which it really does like show just like the power of like you know eighties. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the most over the top thing. But it's like as a kid, I can specifically remember, you know, anytime you were playing like you know guns or whatever you would call it. Yeah, uh, you know, at some point you would always be like, yeah, and then I have a Gatling gun. Oh, and yeah, dude. That was just part of 80s action movies, you know? For sure. Like, this is the movie that I, I'm sure when James Cameron saw this gun and Arnold in the same on the same screen, basically, oh, yeah. he was like, we got to have that in Terminator. And, and yeah. like, as a kid, that's the only, those two movies was the reason why you were just like, I got to have a Gatling gun toy. Yeah. Never had one. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, we'd pretend. You, you know, another movie that I thought of as I was watching this last night, because it just started bringing back so many sort of memories of, of being a kid, like, and watching this. It does kind of have give you that vibe of, I don't know, there was something that was so cool about, like, action movies that were, like, sort of military-based in the mm-hmm, 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of, like, Aliens. You know, it's, like, all yeah. the, like, call signs and sort of, mm-hmm. like, the military, like, slang and stuff, like, it just, like, as a kid, I mean, it's probably the, (laughs) you know, the military-industrial complex, like, doing it all purposefully. But, like, it really did make you want to be like, man, I just, I want to get out there. I got to join the Army. Well, it's funny, too, because it's hard for us to, like, think about it since we grew up during that time. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when these movies came out, you're only talking, like, less than 20 years from, like, Vietnam. Yeah, right. And so, like, even just the thought of military had changed so much. Mm -hmm. God, especially if you compare it to, like, now, we'll say, you know, know, you're in an airport. I don't know if, listener, you guys do this, but I'll walk up to a soldier that I see and just say, hey, man, or ma'am, thank you for your service. You know, that kind of stuff didn't, we're, we're, this time period when this movie came out and all this, there was still some pretty high tension, man. Cold War was going on. You've got like, you know, you're coming off of people's perspectives of the military uh, from from Vietnam, but also like, um, you know, other conflicts in between there, some like Contra stuff and like all these yeah. like rumblings of of the military being used um, sort of behind the scenes and, and black ops and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you've got all these movies though, whereas like as a kid, you're not really concerned about the political ramifications right. of things and stuff you don't really care who cares let's watch some freaking dudes you know mowing a f- 
jungle down <laughs> with big yeah. machine guns, dude, you know? And it's just, oh, it's so good. It's just so cool. Yeah, yeah. It And and I think the, the big takeaway from this movie for me was like, it, it just feels like almost like a video game. It's not trying to be something that it's not. There's not, not like, um, I don't know. I feel like modern movies, and I mean, even movies like, in the eighties as well would try to do this where there's all these like multiple, like sort of plot lines and it's mm-hmm. like, it's sort of overcomplicated. So sure. it's like, you know, everything is just a little like overcooked. Mm-hmm. This movie just feels like a video game. It's like, Hey, we have all these ripped dudes. We have guns. We have an alien with like this, like suit and weapons. And we want to throw them out in the, you know, the Guatemalan jungle. Mm-hmm. And like, that's it. Yeah, like there's, th- and that's that's why it has that rewatchability factor because there's not all these like other things that you're keeping up with. It's like, hey, they don't even get into besides the spaceship thing. They don't even get into the lore of not this creature, all. dude. It, they keep they've they have completely simplified it so much. That, exactly, and, but not in a bad way to me. I feel like any added sort of plot would just be it would actually take away from the greatness of the movie. Like you're I saying. think so too. Yeah, you know? and it's like they don't waste any time. Yeah, like if this was made today, there would be a subplot showing like, uh, you know, the whoever general like approved this like rogue group and he would be fighting in Washington. It would just be so like overcooked. But, but I, what you said is like it's that's really important because I think part of the reason that the sort of the suspense factor works so well and that constant build is because – partially because you you only know as much as they know like yeah. it's not give, you know other than like seeing the, like the little ship like the pod shoot off mm-hmm. you know you don't know anything about the what alien it looks either. like what what you know what is it gonna what does it do like why is it here right there's so many mysterious aspects of it that i think too were part probably just like a a consequence of like the low budget i mean i think what i read was even the heat vision thing Mm-hmm. It was easier for them and cheaper for them to show that more often than it was like the glimmer of mm, whenever yeah. he's like invisible and and or whenever he's in the suit and all that. Yeah. But it, that unintended consequence makes for such a cool vehicle that they can use for that suspense factor. Man. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, dude, it's just so freaking cool. And we're not like I had to ask myself, is this where my love for like neon came from? Well, one thing that I thought of is, uh, you tell me, uh, like, I I challenge you to tell me of one young boy in the 80s that wasn't obsessed with Predator, yeah. that did not at one time crack open one of those glow sticks. Oh, yeah, I did. And pretend that it was Predator blood. Oh, for sure. Multiple times. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, who knows if it's dangerous for your skin? Had it oh. on my skin. Absolutely. Is. So, oh, oh, real real quick before, yeah. and this is kind of, you know, kind of ba- behind the scenes. I don't know if we would get into this. One thing that's really cool is originally this movie or the screenplay was called The Hunter or Hunter. And the cool thing about it, and I think part of the reason that this got made was, and their last name was Thomas. These two, the two Thomas brothers who wrote the, the treatment and the screenplay snuck onto the Fox lot. Okay. And then slid it under some executives door. So when they showed up on Monday morning, it was there and 
that's that's Jeez, how we have dude. the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible, man. Yeah, it's I love amazing. stories like that. Yeah. So anyhow, we end up seeing they they wound the predator. Okay, and he leaves behind this like neon blood and that's when your favorite line comes in when arnold says if it bleeds we can kill it which just imagine being in their shoes what a cool thing and then that's when again it flips again to now arnold's mission is to get everyone to the chopper oh yeah because now they've got like a chopper that's supposed to pick them up they've got an, Mm -hmm. an lz a designated lz a landing zone yeah and that's where he wants everybody to go but in the meantime, he's going to MacGyver the heck out of some stuff. Yeah. And he's going to now, he's going to turn the tables. Well, they, they kind of have two of those montages. Yeah. Like the first one is like when, I mean, spoiler. other people are still alive. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. It's like the whole crew is kind of setting up like traps and stuff for it. Which, by the way, concerning like the invisibility, the, the cloaking thing, kind of like what I said before, you know, that's, that's why we're talking about this movie now is because that effect, you know, sort of gave a baseline to these weird sightings in the real world. But one thing that I I did not remember is like, for some reason, visually, I don't ever remember it looking like that as a kid. Like looking at it now, it's, it's almost like a topographic map. Did you, have Hmm. you noticed that where it has like, those like sort of concentric like rings within it? Like you see these, it's almost I remember like, it looked a lot different than I, than I remembered and kind yeah. of a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I see where, yes, okay. It's like, it's like different layers. It's like, you know, working its way in. Yeah. But I don't remember, and it almost looks like, it's almost like you're like duplicating itself. So if he's standing in, like in front of like a leaf, it would be like leaf, 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 leaf. Like, I don't remember that as a kid for some yeah. reason. It, yeah. it visually looked different in my mind. Yeah, same. But it was, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, man. So anyhow, and again, I don't really know if we were just going straight through the whole plot. I mean, um, I mean let's do it. I okay, mean. so basically now we'll just fast forward to Arnold's the only one left. And besides, I guess, the woman who is just ahead, which that, that this is the one area where, you know, initially, again, rewatching, I thought, well, maybe I forgot. There is no nudity in this movie, which is surprising because I'm not sure why. And this sounds, this is going to sound potentially, I don't know, rude, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I never really understood the purpose of the female character that they find other than just having like a civilian that they need to save. Nope, I can tell you. Go exactly. Uh, so just like you as a kid, I, it just didn't make sense to me. It yeah. was like, in other words, we- as an adult, real quick. In other words, as an adult, I'm thinking, okay, well, she's about to get naked. Yeah, over. yeah, yeah, right. No, I know exactly why. And this, and I totally did not remember this, but this is actually probably one of my favorite parts about the movie. You know, it sort of ticks that box of like anthropology and like folklore, that kind of stuff that we talk about a lot, which we love. The whole MacGuffin for her being in it is so that she could finally give that like that little speech explaining how the old women in the town would talk about this thing that would come in the hotter in the years that it was like very hot. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah. And they would find the men in the village like gutted, you know, and butchered out in the jungle. And it only happened in like the hot years, which, uh, it's kind of weird. She calls it, she calls it a demon. I thought that was really cool. And I, I completely forgot about it, but 
I think now watching back, it's like, oh man, that's cool. Cause it shows that like, oh, this thing is like, this is like a reoccurring thing where this thing's coming to an unknown planet or like a, you know, coming from another planet we, we suspect. And, you know, it sort of, it's almost like it's, um, I don't know. I would almost imagine it as like a, this predator's like vision quest or it's like, you know, becoming a man. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like dropped off on this planet to show that it's the apex predator kind of thing. Man, super cool. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I, I'd completely forgot about it, but it just that little scene kind of totally explains like, you know, the the movie Prey. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It it explains like, oh, these things have been coming here. And I don't really understand like, like the hotter, the years that it's really hot. I don't understand that. Well, I guess maybe because like if they're using that heat vision, maybe like it it gives your body heat, maybe it just gives off more during those times. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, that makes, that makes pretty good sense. Um, Of course, now Arnold is kind of just, this is, this kind of goes back into another final, really the final iconic sort of sequence, which is when he, it's just him against the alien. He's like set up this trap and stuff. He figures out by accident Mm -hmm. that because he's covered in mud that, it can't see him. In fact, like it goes right by him. Yeah. And I'm sure watching it the first time, this moment is just extremely suspenseful. Now, you know, having watched it a million times. Hold on, Woody. We will return after these messages. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures from another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. This is Joshua Cutchen, and you're at my home for weirdness. That would be rad. But also, I watched the movie and I don't recommend. Okay. (laughs) I was forced to watch the movie. I feel like I should have some kind of little input here. Don't watch the movie. It's stupid. It's a waste of time. It's not stupid. Visual effects, 0 out of 10. 1986. Acting, 2 out of 10. I'll give Arnold a little bit of help. Did she watch the... Did she watch the the arm wrestling scene? No, no, she missed the arm wrestling scene. Predator apparently in the end developed a personality and starts laughing. Laughing. Oh yeah, Darth Vader. That was stupid. Okay, well, it's because it was like it's it's the recording. No, my opinion as well. Okay, love you. Get out of here. Love you, bye. Because I was forced to watch it. (laughs) It's the recording of that guy laughing or whatever. It's Billy laughing at the, the the second joke that the dude tells. And then the predator. Is that what that was? Yeah, dude. The predator like has been gathering all these like sound bites. Which, by the way, I mean, I'm sure you picked up on this. What was the first thing you thought of when you heard that? Yeah, man, disembodied voices. Tim Marshenko. Yeah, dude. I mean, I feel like we bring up this guy and his book, disembodied voices. We need a bell mm-hmm. to ring every time we we say it. Oh, I didn't realize. To, so, and we're kind of jumping ahead, but like the laugh at the end when he sets off. The detonation mm-hmm. sequence. Wait, hold on, hold on. So Arnold is covered in mud. He's now figures out that the predator cannot see him. In fact, he like even says it after, just in case, as an audience, you didn't realize mm-hmm. 
that the predator literally just like almost climbs over him to he's looking for him, and Arnold just kind of like goes, "It didn't see me." <laughs> well, well, hold on, let me, let me go back a little bit. So, here's one of the things that I think it sort of took me out a little bit as like, oh, okay, this is like straight up '80s. The the one thing that you, as far as you know, movies like holding up. The one thing about '80s movies in particular is like. I guess back then we had a much larger attention span. So whether it's like just a single shot or like a, a little sequence, boy, they'll just, they'll milk it to death. Right. And, and nowadays, like we don't have that attention span. So everything's a lot faster. But the one thing about this movie that, that took me out is, and this sort of facilitates the mud scene, but like when, when Arnold like falls into the water. Yeah. It shows him literally go over two waterfalls. <laughs> and it's just, it's like, what are they doing? Why did we need to see that? Yeah. But then you think like, oh, well, I mean, I you get, know how it is. I bet like when they, whenever they film this, they're like, yeah, but dang it, man, that sequence is really cool. Which one should we do? Well, this is that I like boat. them both. Let's just do them both. <laughs> well, for, for, so the whole reason that it's there is he's like sliding down this hill and it's this massive, like, drop into the water. I'm talking skyscraper drop into the water. And then he does that, and he's just, like, struggling to swim. And then you see his eyes widen. And he's like, oh, God, there's another one. And it shows, like, the far-off shot or the pulled-back shot of another waterfall. And it just continues on. But I will say, like, what was cool, uh, one of my other favorite parts about that movie is when, you know, he's finally, like, swimming. He's all, like, worn out. He's like, in the mud and he like lays down, lays his head on, on the, you know, the shore where the mud is. And, you know, he's, he's like climbing up and then you see the splash in the water behind him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this is cool. Like, yeah, dude, you know, because the predator was like following after him, you know, I, I, the only thing that does sort of like illustrate well is like, he's just getting beat up, dude. Like he's probably landing on rocks and he's just like beat all the hell. He's tired. Mm -hmm. Now he's covered in mud. The predator doesn't see him. So he uses that to his advantage. And then he kind of sets up this like booby trap situation. But dude, when he's calling the predator to him, do you remember this sequence? Uh, yeah. He's, well, so he's, he, he like, he does this like primal. When he's like, yeah. ah, ah, and yeah. he just like echoes through the jungle. Yeah. So bad. Age. Which, by the way, we did jump a little bit. I, I do kind of want to go back. So the guy Poncho, mm -hmm. he was probably one of my favorite characters. The one thing that I, that bugs me about this movie, and this is like probably my biggest critique about this movie. I can, I'm cool with like all the acting. I feel like the setup for these characters, like Billy, for example, is, is, the, is the perfect example. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's this like sort of, you know, quintessential, like, Indian character. So yeah. it's like, you know, as we all know, being kids in the 80s and, and even earlier, is that, like, oh, well, they're sort of Indians are sort of tapped into, like, the spiritual plane. So they, yeah. they you know, call it intuition, call it, like, whatever. It's like they kind of know when something's up. And so the whole movie, he's kind of, like, looking off, and he's scared, and they're like, he ain't scared of nothing. And so you know that, like, oh, this is, like, something serious. And I love when they're like, oh, well, Billy ain't scared of no man. And he's like, 
It ain't no man. It ain't no man. Yeah, and, and he's like, we're all going to die. Yeah. That's such a great scene. But when they're finally crossing the bridge, you know, somebody else dies in the crew. Oh, I think it was, I think it was Bill Duke's character dies. And you hear like screaming off and they're crossing this tree. And Billy knows like, okay, they need to get to the helicopter. It's time to fight. And he like pulls his shirt off. He throws his his gun in the water. He rips like his necklace off, which is like his like, you know, prayer kind of yeah. or like charm bag. Yeah. Rips that off. And you know that like, okay, he's 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 going at it like old school, you know, like his ancestors would have fought. It's just such an awesome like build up. And then it's like immediately you just hear him like scream in the background and he's dead. Yeah. I, and that's what happens thing. to him in the background is the other iconic gnarly scene that scarred my wife oh, for life, yeah, which this- is the predator just like pulls out his he like rips his spine out of his yeah, body yeah. and is just holding the spine and the head in yeah. some high up tree branch. Which that which that kind of came a little bit later. It sort of like cuts back to that yeah. where he's way up in a tree and it is pretty gruesome like when he rips the spine out. But to me the the more jarring part is when you just see and it looks like it's just his like upper torso just be thrown out of the tree. Yeah. Which is like, ugh. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think, like, that's the one thing that if if I had my way that should be changed is just, like, you have these killer characters and they have these awesome, like, kind of, like, build-ups. And then, um, or even, like, with Poncho, it's like the trap goes off and it's like the big tree branch falls and, like, hits him in the chest. And I don't know. Yeah. Their, their deaths were just, like, kind of... Yeah. A little lackluster. That is the one area where I guess maybe they could have spent a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not two waterfalls. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, I love the Native American aspect and how it ends up sort of leading into the rest of the franchise, not just the movies, but in like, you know, comic books and, and things like that. They really kind of kind of pick it up. But before we get to that stuff... Um, well, well, hold on. You got, You have like... The second montage of the movie, which if you could put the 80s and like that feeling of like the montage. I mean, I don't know. Rambo's pretty good when he yeah. when it shows the, you know, pulling his headband from behind. But that montage where he's like setting all these like traps and he's like somehow made a bow and arrow out of like vines. Mm. That part is amazing because he's all like caked in in like mud. One thing that I did discover on the behind the scenes is you know that that was like modeling uh, or like um, like ceramic or like, clay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I heard that. Uh, and he was constantly almost in a hypothermic state. Yeah, because they filmed it. that portion in the winter or something. Yep. And it was like one of the coldest years, you know, that they had had as far as that. So he's constantly wet. They couldn't give him like a heater because then it dried out the mud and right. then became brittle and would like crack off, you know, and he would move. Dedication. They would give him like Jaeger shots to keep him like <laughs> nice. internally artificially hot. And so warm. The, yeah. So the whole time it's like that you're watching this, it's like he was probably, you know, almost drunk the whole time. No wonder he's so good at the primal yell. Yeah, right. I agree. But, go ahead. Uh, well, no, I was just going to say about that like primal yell, that particular scene, there were a couple shots when it shows that and then it shows like the predator like shooting his black, the shoulder blaster into the woods that, I mean, they would hold up today as far as like 
epic, like wide anamorphic film shots. Yeah. It just, they look so epic and so like big in scale that like, it's really impressive, that little sequence. Yeah, I agree, man. Really cool. Well, I mean, a lot of that stuff, I feel like, yeah, okay, it's not all perfect, but here's the thing, back then, Mm -hmm. they used... It, it wasn't CGI. It was all practical. Yeah. And yep. so, like, they had to use what they had on hand. And to me, man, I, I just feel like they did just an outstanding job for the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, we're getting real in the weeds on the plot here. but <laughs> No, I, mean, I think it's cool. Ultimately, I think, too, like, once it goes to where it's more like one-on-one, him mm-hmm. versus the Predator, it really kind of ramps up into the final sort of conclusion. But one part that I always forgot, so like by the end of it, he, um, you know, defeats the predator. Spoiler alert. He defeats the predator, right? Yeah. Well, technically speaking, the predator kind of defeats himself. You know, he kind of does like a self-destruct uh, bomb, right? Yeah, that's right? true. And he and he's like laughing. And, you know, this is after we, we are now able to see like what's under the mask, which... Again, typically I'm I'm pretty disappointed. A lot of times there's like oh. an alien re, uh, reveal, dude. Th- I remember it thinking looks. this as a kid. It was like I don't know how they came up with this. It's sort of like animalistic. There's something extremely sort of um, well, I mean, like beastly and primal about the way it looks under there. It's got yeah. the cool mouth that opens up. Oh, the like mandibles. Yeah, I mean, dude. It, and you hear this weird like like clinking of like the teeth. Yeah, man, it's so intense. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, the, then it like explodes. And then, but what I always kind of forgot, especially because like, I'm like, well, why didn't he ever come back? I thought maybe he was so wounded that when he finally gets to the chopper uh, that he mm-hmm. like dies or something. I actually had to look that up because I was like, did that character die? Mm-hmm. The answer is no, he, he didn't. He just hasn't appeared in any of the other movies thank god for arnold i'm sure he read yeah those scripts and was like uh yeah i I mean that whole sort of extraction sequence i mean that's that's kind of what i meant earlier by like the movie's not trying to do any be anything (laughs) that it's not yeah i think like it is funny because the gudula chapa that like meme is actually the whole movie it's just him getting to the chopper and then there's no sort of like closure there's no it explodes you know the predator explodes uh you see a giant like mushroom cloud in the distance as the helicopter is like coming in to get him and then next shot you see arnold on the chopper you see a pulled out shot of the choppers like heading off into the horizon and then that's it there's no blank screen i was like yeah oh is there like some sort of like cliffhanger uh you know uh, bonus scene or something that's going to jump no. out. Like maybe you hear the alien. Nope. Yeah. It, well, and then what's even funnier than that is like, not only do you, does it not have like a resolve, it then immediately goes into showing these like candid, like thumbs up smile shots of all like yeah, the main of all the Yes, dude. Hilarious. <laughs> Which was awesome. Yeah. It's like TV sitcom style. One thing I definitely want to make sure that we get to, we got to talk a little bit about, the suit itself mm. of the Predator. And one of the things that like we discovered over the last, you know, couple months or whatever, but certainly I can do in this recap of the movie. Mm-hmm. And man, it's just so hilarious. So Jean-Claude Van Damme was actually originally cast to be the actor in the Predator suit. 
and you can go Whoa. and you can actually watch test footage and there's this like terrible design sort of like it doesn't even look like the final suit it's just it almost looks like some sort of oh praying mantis or something it's like pink and he's just wearing it it's just like a test suit right yeah so i'm glad you brought this up i on the behind the scenes it explains this so their visual effects guy they had a different guy other than stan winston before Mm. and so the original suit when they sent it in (laughs) <laughs> they said everybody on the set was like, oh, boy. Yeah, it looks it's, rough. Yeah, and so it's like bright red, weird, bulky. It doesn't look. And so they were running out of money, and the guy ends up calling, like, some fo- executive at Fox and was like, we, we can't have this. And he was like, oh, what do you mean? We have, you know, this guy's an amazing visual effects guy, you know, whatever. And so they they shot one scene with this suit. They sent it to him. And he was, and even though they were completely out of money at this point, they were like, "Yeah, we can't make that happen." And so, <laughs> so then, in so there was like this huge like delay in filming, which was like you know a month or so, where they had to coordinate, and they ended up finally uh, approving more budget so that then they could bring in Stan Winston and and thank God because yeah, it, it, there's no way this movie would have been nope. even close to as iconic as it ended up yeah. with you know. That first thing. So anyway, though, this is amazing that Jean-Claude, and it gets even more amazing when you like learn a little bit more about it, he was originally in it, okay? Mm-hmm. And apparently, one of the other things that held up production is that he would constantly, first he was like always pissed off and complaining about how hot it was. It's just too hot. Yeah. In the suit. And he would just, he would pass out sometimes. Oh, and geez. then also, here's the best part, dude. And this, when I read this, I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> Part of the thing that would just like interrupt production is he would not stop. He would not stop kickboxing people <laughs> in the scenes. Like it's not in the script. It's not written that way. He would just be like, you know, and then the director would get pissed at him and he'd say, I'm telling you, there's got to be some kickboxing in this movie, you oh, know? Oh God. And, and, <laughs> They would be like, no, dude, no, listen, hey, we appreciate you're it, but alien. like, we, we, the reason why we hired you is because we think, you know, your martial arts skills and stuff will really kind of bring some like movement to the, to the creature that is going to make it more like, you know, an apex predator that can like sneak around ninja style and all this. And they would, you know, they would call action and stuff. And then he kickbox. <laughs> Whoever he was in the scene with, dude. And so here's another part. So that was one reason that was just getting on the nerves. The other was he was up against and standing next to these people that, you know, Jesse Ventura, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they're way bigger and taller. Yeah, they're than all like six foot two, six yeah. foot four. And he's, he's like five nine. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, they're like, he wasn't a good fit. And, you know, but you got to look up these production photos where he's in this costume. He just looks pissed off. And then but, also, but it, like, the footage, dude, the footage is incredible because you can tell, oh, he's about to do a freaking kick and then they yeah. cut away. Here's the split. Yeah. Now, was he was he there, like, wearing, like, the new suit? No. Uh, it was um, old. Actually, I think I may have seen a picture of that. But, no, the, the footage, though, shows him in that, like, stupid pink one. But yeah. listen to this, too. Okay, so the guy that they actually got. Now, Kevin this is Peter Hall. Kevin Peter Hall, mm-hmm. who, by the way, is seven feet two inches tall. Seven feet three. Seven feet three inches tall. Okay? Yeah. Now, yeah. you wouldn't know Kevin Peter Hall, you know, 
by, I guess if he passed you on the street, other than just the enormous enormous height, right? Yeah. Except that he was in another iconic 80s movie playing a character that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. That's Harry and the Hendersons. Yep. Yep. Incredible. Oh, and don't forget Mazes and Monsters. Man, here's some details about the actual final costume, and I I just can't even believe this. I'm sure they mentioned it in the the behind-the-scenes, Tyler, but I just had to write this down. The costume itself weighed over 200 pounds. Wow. Kevin Peter Hall had to be connected to a rig of these, like, bungees and pulleys so that he could move more fluidly and realistically. Wow. And so every time we see this stuff going on. And, and apparently it was like very, very hot in there and everything. Mm-hmm. Again, they ended up shooting this stuff in the heat. And then I think they had to do reshoots with Arnold. I don't know if it was because of the kickboxing, but in the jungle by himself when it's a one, one-on-one with the Predator. Mm-hmm. And so that's just another reason why they decided to do more of the heat vision stuff is just like, man, we've got this rig that we have to do just to make this guy move around when we're showing him that. Why don't we come up with another way, which I think is brilliant, to show that that character's there without having him actually have to be there physically moving yeah, around. man, that's cool. Yeah, one thing about him is not only was he seven foot three inches, he was also a, like, ballet and martial arts expert. Wow. Which is pretty cool, yeah. I remember vaguely, when we talked about this earlier, you mentioned, before we started recording, you mentioned the legendary sort of bicep competition Oh, uh, that was awesome. going on between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura, and I'm sure whoever else wanted to measure biceps. Mm-hmm. I told you not to tell me because I remember that there was that, but I don't remember what the outcome was, so go for it. Yeah, so uh, apparently, you know, if you're familiar with the movie, like the whole cast, I mean, even like the skinnier guys like Bill and Poncho, like, like your skinnier guys, even they're like still pretty ripped. And so... Yeah. You know, there was this constant competition, especially with, like, Carl Weathers, uh, Jesse Ventura, Arnold Schwarzenegger, especially with, like, your bigger dudes where they were always, like, in the gym, like, you know, pumping iron. And so, like, there was this, like, you know, this constant sort of competition where Arnold apparently, like, went in and, like, told, like, the um, costume director or, like, set supervisor or whatever – that to tell Jesse Ventura that, you know, when they're measuring for like, you know, his shirts and stuff, that he had like three extra inches on his bicep than Arnold. <laughs> and so then, you know, you have Jesse Ventura just riding a high because he thinks like, man, I've done it. I've, I've put in the work and I'm I'm bigger than, you know, the muscles from Brussels. Yeah. Uh, well, that's... Uh, oh, that is Van Damme, isn't it? Uh, wait, what was... Well, he's from Austria, but yeah, but that was like know. he had like a nickname. I can't remember. Anyway, then they, I guess they they went in and some one of them like made a bet or something. I can't remember the the details, but they made a bet that like whoever you know a thousand bucks or five hundred bucks or something. Yeah. and you know of course Arnold had like the bigger biceps, <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it was just this constant like competition between you know, these muscle-bound dudes, which yeah, is it's it's pretty, pretty 80s too. One thing that's, that's really cool um, that I think is worth adding is, so the music and the score was Alan Silvestri. Uh, he is a 
total legend. I would say, you know, he would be in like the top five of all time, you know, did the whole Back to the Future trilogy, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, The Polar Express, you know, The Abyss, uh, The Mummy, Mummy Returns, like Avengers, Avengers Endgame, and Avengers Infinity War, Tales from the Crypt, a ton of like, you know, stuff mm-hmm. that when we think of like a score, we think, oh, wow, that's like classic. You know, he was he was kind of like another John Williams. Yeah, he's the guy that if you're like listening, you're like, now, did John Williams do this one? Exactly. He's the guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you look it up, 80s classic like film scores, if, if you don't see John Williams' name, you see Alan Sylvester. Right. One thing about Stan Winston is he you know, visual effects guy. He is like the guy. Like he did all the Terminator stuff, all the alien stuff. Uh, He did Batman Returns, you know, like the Danny DeVito, the penguin sort of costume. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just legendary, you know, all the Jurassic Park stuff, all the Predator movies, um, Edward Scissorhands. And the list just like goes on and on and on. He was constantly working with like James Cameron, Spielberg, and Tim Burton. And so... You know, even though it was kind of like the early days for a lot of these guys, you know, they would go on to be just legends in the field, which is cool. Yeah. And even Shane Black, the director, he did Monster Squad. Man. He did, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, which eh, it's okay, but <laughs> like <laughs> Commando, you know, he's all these, like, it really was sort of the perfect culmination of like some of the world's greatest talents you know, all kind of thrown into one. And it is funny to think of in a movie that, you know, like I've said multiple times in this episode, in a movie that that really is pretty simple. It's it's literally a video game put on the screen. Right. It's cool that they were able to, like, make all those guys. It's just a perfect combination of of talent all in one movie. Agreed, yeah. And it's one of those things that I feel like Look, there's a lot of great talent in the visual effects area nowadays and and the usage of of computer graphics and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I really hope that there's a resurgence of talent in the practical effects area because... I agree. You know, I don't know, man. There's so many times that I miss that, you know. A perfect example... Well... And I, I I couldn't even finish it, but we started watching uh, the newest Ant Man or whatever Quantum Mania. I liked it. Oh, I couldn't get. I mean, I can't even get. The, I feel like the acting was awful. And then also really? like, oh, we're in front of a green screen constantly. Yeah. I just can't. You know, like. Well, I well I uh, will say, I feel like if any movie you kind of. I mean, because it's a completely you know sort of new world building. Yeah, I know, but like thing. didn't need it. Yeah, you know? I mean they are so in like, like the we're quantum. creating uh, this quantum realm, and we can only use the green screen. But why don't you just not make the movie? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I will say I do think a lot of practical effects were used in, um, in a lot of like the, um, you know, it's almost like a cantina scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, some of that stuff. But, yeah, but I know I what you know. mean. So anyway, uh, all in, I, this is this movie answers the question that's so hard for me to answer when people ask me about an 80s movie that I've just watched. You know, when I say people, some of you listening will reach out and ask, but also my brother, you know, mm-hmm. and other people will mm-hmm. say, well, how does it hold up? That's the hardest question for me to answer because 
I, I'm viewing this movie, and when I say this, I mean like any 80s movie, through the lens of I don't care how bad it is, there's still aspects of it that are just amazing to me. Yeah. This, however, to me, in so many ways, the answer is yes, it holds up. Yeah. The, the practical effects look really great. Yes, there's certain areas that, not, like, would they have been able to do X, Y, and Z a little bit better now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We saw it in the movie Prey. Yeah. But for this movie coming out in 87 and, you know, being filmed, I guess, in 86, 85, 86 or whatever, and for only $15 million, yeah. and they had to deal with just Jean-Claude just freaking kickboxing everybody every <sighs> second he, he had a chance. That's amazing. I'm going to kick this guy's Yes. Oh, and he just like would be nonstop apparently just about like, I'm telling you, the alien must kick blocks. Anyway. Oh, God. Uh, what fun. kind of a deal? And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and someday we're going to do an episode about Bloodsport because I've got, I've actually got Frank Dukes's autobiography and mm-hmm. it's even more fantastic than you could imagine. Oh, that's Pretty awesome. Pretty sure he's made it all up. And yeah, um, anyway, this movie absolutely holds up it belongs mm-hmm. in the top 10 slot for me yeah it reminds me of being an 80s kid it's a time travel device that you can use yourself to transport yourself into the 80s yeah. and just enjoy it so i recommend anybody listening who hasn't seen it in a long time mm-hmm. watch it grab some popcorn and watch this and enjoy this this gem of a movie that existed back in the 80s yeah absolutely uh and before we get out of here i just want to say you know, in the last several months, we've had some, you know, unfortunate like passings of some folks. Uh, I just want to give a sort of moment of silence to Robbie Robertson, which is one of my all time favorite guitar players and songwriters. He was in the band, which was Bob Dylan's band. He passed away. Actually, <clears throat> had the opportunity to hang out with him back when I lived in LA. We had an engineer, a guy named Roby, and so he was friends with Robbie Robertson. They were both Canadian. And he would come by the studio a good bit, and, like, you know, I got to learn a lot of things from him and, you know, just talking to him. And he was a great dude, and he passed away uh, a while back. And also just the iconic uh, Paul Rubens, who, you know, helped shape our childhood. Childhood, yeah. Yeah, with, with, you know, Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse and then the movies that would follow. So, uh Here's a moment of silence for those two. All right. If you'd like to hit up, hit us up online, you can. Typically, we're over on Instagram. Uh, drop us a line. Shoot us a comment. If you want to talk about maybe a paranormal thing that you've encountered or maybe an 80s gym that, you know, has flown under the radar that maybe we have never heard of. Uh, you can drop us a DM or shoot it to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Or even better, you can head on over to thatwouldberadpodcast.com, our website, where you can directly leave us a voice memo or voicemail or whatever, telling it in your own voice. We'd love to hear from you. Get out there and tell a single friend about the show right now as you're listening. Just send a, any friend of yours uh, a message or a link to our podcast. It helps tremendously. And, you know, we have had a good bit of people be like, hey, you know, my best friend told me about this and, you know, I'm a forever fan now. And that's that's amazing. We love to hear it. Give us a five star review if you have time. It really does help sort of tweak the algorithm in our favor and get us in front of new ears and new listeners. If you're not getting enough, uh, that would be rad. 
you know, gold over here on the free feed, head on over to our Patreon. That would be rad, the rabbit trail and join us. It's more of what you love. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you over there. And we're grateful so much for the folks, you know, our patrons. You got anything else, Woody? I think that's it, man. Right on, dudes. Well, go watch Predator. We love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it
Hold on, pal. All right. Well, I'm glad you showed up prepared, okay. man. I'm so glad you showed up prepared. Um, I mean, I figured none of that'll be easy anyway. <laughs> I'm definitely using that part where it's just you just like, hold on, pal. <laughs> I mean, oddly enough, that's kind of what it sounds like. I'm, I'm guessing whenever... All the up. time, man. Just if uh, if I could give you a nickname, it would be unprepared Bents. Mm-mm. In parentheses, clearest skin of all time. <sighs> so stupid. What, what are you doing? I'm recording a podcast episode. Oh, you didn't tell me that. I mean, you should know um, that I'm talking. Oh, I heard you're you st- talking to Woody. I literally heard you all the time. I heard you stomping <laughs> up the <laughs> stairs <laughs> and calling. You're recording it. Okay. <laughs> Shh. <laughs>